Welcome to the Power Couples Rock podcast, where our mission is to build a collective community of marriages, where we encourage, inspire, and support one another in order to have masterful marriages. We're Carlos, Catherine, Chris, and Sonia. Please check us out, powercouplesrock.com, follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. We believe that one of the most amazing legacies we can leave in life is a great marriage. So we hope you'll listen, learn, and love the conversation. Let's power up. Good day, Power Couples. This is Carlos and Catherine Green of Power Couples Rock. Hey, what's up, Power Couples? Hey, we're coming to you live from the Eusebia Weekend Experience in Columbia, Maryland. Yes. And we are having an amazing time with this weekend experience. And Eusebia is a marriage conference that we're actually having, but we call it a Eusebia Weekend weekend Experience because of the quality of information that we receive, Mm. the connections that we actually have. And we are so blessed and so honored and so humbled to have one of the quality guest speakers who have become like family now to Eusebia and us on the podcast. And I tell you, you should really buckle up (laughs) right now because this couple really brings the word of God to life. They bring it in the areas of stories, biblical scripture, as well as humor which just captivated our hearts the first time we met them mm-hmm. last, last year. year yes, yes, when they finished yeah, speaking, we were standing up like what? Standing up, after was, they pulled me off the floor, was, picked me up was, off the floor because it was so profound the information that they shared. So we want to introduce and welcome to you all, Paul and Virginia Friesen. Say hello to our Power Couples Rock community, guys. Thanks so much, Carlos and Catherine. We're honored to be on with you. We sure are. What a joy to be on this podcast with you, with the Power Couples. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the opportunity. It's a great privilege. Awesome. Thank Thank you. you. So we want to know a little bit about you all. You guys are well experienced in this marriage ministry, but tell us how how did you guys meet and when did you guys get married? Well, that goes back a long way because we've now been married for 43 years. I know you can't see us, but we did get married when we were 10. (laughs) They don't look at it all. Beautiful. We actually met when I was a college student and Paul was already working in a campus ministry. We became best friends, didn't even consider dating because the age gap was four and a half years. And when you're 19 and he's 23 and a half, that seems like a big gap. (laughs) So fortunately for us, we just became best friends. And eventually that moved into falling in love. And after I graduated college, we got married. That was the beginning. All right. Is so it a how long, story yeah. you agree with, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> how long did you guys date before you got married? Uh, two and a half years from mm-hmm. the time we started until we got married. So, Paul, when did you know, like, she's going to be the one for mm-hmm. me? Well, I was taken by her right away, uh, and we just had fun. We had this platonic friendship, uh, joked around a lot, and uh, then... At some point, started dating, and uh, I was pretty sure pretty quickly, uh, just a a godly woman, a fun woman, a beautiful woman inside and out, and uh, she loved people, she cared for people, 
I didn't realize at that point, but when she cares for everybody, that would happen after we got married, that she cared for everybody. Uh, but it just drew me to her, and uh, I'm just so thankful that um, I married up, that's for sure. Ah, uh, that's awesome. She's awesome. Well, just I know beautiful. you guys have been in ministry together. Um, how long have you been in ministry? And then tell us how'd you, how did you end up doing ministry together? Mm-hmm. Mm. Well. Uh, we have been in ministry since we got married, really. Uh, when I was on the campus staff, we uh, did work together at our college, and then we directed a camp in Southern California together and for many, many years and ran family programs there and just started, it evolved. We started teaching on marriage a little bit, and then um, we moved back to Boston to do a sabbatical started teaching a little bit there at the seminary and then at a church. And so one thing has led to another. And then since uh, 2003, uh, we've had this ministry called Home Improvement Ministries. And our children had all left the home at that time. And we've been teaching and speaking ever since. Tell us about home improvement then. What, what's the mission and vision of that ministry? Home Improvement Ministries was established to really encourage to build in to healthy marriages and families. Our observation as we've lived through life is that as the marriage goes, the world goes. And we believe that God has a very, very deep heart for our marriages and for our families, and that he wants to affect his purposes through those healthy units that are growing in Christ-likeness. I mean, there are no perfect marriages and there are no perfect families. But increasingly, there is a void in the hearts and minds of many, many people around us about what marriage is actually even supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And so that continues to fuel our passion for helping people understand God's good design for marriage and for family and for the potential that exists to impact this world for Jesus Mm -hmm. through our marriages. What Virginia said about design is so true, whether it's here or another country, we always say, let's go back to God's word and see he's a designer of this thing called marriage and everything God designed is perfect. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with the design of marriage, but we've messed it up a bit. And so we keep trying to take people even premaritally Uh, How do you date correctly in a way that honors God? How do you get involved in a relationship that's going to lead you to marriage and honor God in that? Because these are all stepping stones to honoring God. And we just keep really coming back to Scripture. That's our final authority. And our final authority should overrule our emotions, our hormones. Uh, It's just we love God. We want to honor Him. He designed it. Maybe if we live it according to his design, it'll actually work out okay. (laughs) I love that. Can we press into that a little bit Mm -hmm. more about God's design? Tell us what scriptures really resonate and speak with you all. And then give us some examples of what God's design is or blueprint is for marriage. Well, you know, it starts in Genesis where Adam was uh, created and perfect relationship with God and animals and everything. And, and before sin entered the world, God made a statement that's interesting. He said something wasn't good, but sin hadn't entered the world. But he said, it's not good that Adam's alone. And so he gave Adam what he called a suitable helper. And uh, I think Adam must have been so ecstatic. Like, I thought life was good now, but now I get a little helper girl to, you know, clean and cook and pick up my clothes. Well, that wasn't a problem. He was naked. But uh, that's not what it meant. What it meant is, Adam, you need help. 
It's not good for you to be alone. I'm going to give you a partner. And out of God's goodness and kindness, he gave Adam Eve so that they were better together. And so we start there saying this is God's design to make you better together. But that literal word for helper fit means somebody who's like, but like opposite. Mm -hmm. So like that you're both created in the image of God, male and female, no difference. But opposite, we're not the same. So let me clarify that because you might have heard the no different. And you might think that the only real difference between men and women is physiology, it's genitalia, but that is not true. The incomplete picture, if you will, of the total image of God is not completed until husband and wife are together, till man and woman. They both represent different characteristics of God's character, of who he is. So Adam being alone, it wasn't good. God made a suitable helper, one who was like him, an image bearer of God up until that time, Adam was the only image bearer of God, which is why nothing from the animal kingdom was suitable for him. Mm -hmm. So Eve is like God. Also, she's an image bearer, equal. Mm -hmm. She also bears the very image of God, but she's like opposite. She's different in ways that go far beyond her physiology. She's different in how she thinks. She's different in how she's put together. She's different in her purposes as the primary nurturer, the child bearer. She obviously does things that Adam was not created to do, and Adam does things that he was not, that she was not created to do, but together they complement each other and reflect the full image of God. It's a beautiful picture, mm. and one that we've unfortunately sort of lost sight of in our culture today, as we continue to wrestle with the very nature of marriage, we don't think we can understand the very nature of marriage if we don't go back to Genesis and tap into what God actually designed it to be. So how do you think that we should be looking at marriage? I know we look at marriage through God's eyes, but with society and all the pressures that of the redefining of marriage and what marriage really looked like, How would you encourage our listeners to really take a look at marriage? Well, you know, it's interesting. If you look at us being designed like but like opposite, uh, we're better together. But our culture often sort of teaches us just do your own thing. Uh, And Satan loves to use those differences to pit us against each other. And I think the teaching of Scripture keeps coming back to oneness. Uh, Are you... Are you better together? The two become one. And so there are things that we each bring to the table that make marriage better. I think one of the things that we see over and over as we deal with marriages is Satan uses our differences to annoy us, to uh, make us angry with each other, to separate us. And the, the work of the gospel is to bring us back together. Since sin came into the garden, The rest of Scripture is talking about how to bring mankind back into relationship with God and how to bring husband and wife back into correct relationship with each other. That's so deep. That is beautiful and profound and definitely needs to be um, shared. I'm glad our listeners, um, that we have you on so our listeners can hear this um, because we need to be speaking and knowing about going back to the beginning, you know, when we are confused. 
And we need to be able to be confident in what God has laid the blueprint out for us already. Um, you've uh, been at Eusebia for two years, and um, this year we're talking about clean. And that's something that um, really resonated with when the speakers have been able to get up and talk about it, which is giving me a whole new perspective on. Uh, but share with our audience what um, clean, this theme clean at Eusebia uh, means to you. We've loved being at Eusebia for these two years. We speak almost every weekend someplace else, but we will tell you that this conference is something that since we came last year, we've looked forward to all year to returning to. We feel very much the spirit of God moving here. Mm-hmm. The theme this year, especially on clean, has profound impact, especially as it comes to the marriage relationship, because we live in a culture where marriage is parodied to be an ongoing battle between a husband and wife and bickering and disrespect and a lack of investment, a lack of honoring. Those are all things that are readily accepted as okay in marriage. Because of that, I think it's very easy for us to be lax about our own hearts and what's inside of them. And it's acceptable in our culture to lie Mm. for our own convenience. Mm-hmm. It's acceptable in our culture to go outside of the marriage to get some of our needs met. It may be through pornography. Mm-hmm. It may be through hanging out with the wrong people. There are all sorts of things that dirty up the inside of the cup of our heart, if you will. Mm-hmm. And we live in a culture that says, well, as long as your spouse isn't going to find out about it, just don't let them know. Don't worry about it. It's not going to bother you. But I want to tell you, not being clean inside of our hearts will destroy the intimacy of our marriage. And interestingly, I think that's the thing that drives us towards marriage is we long for that intimacy because as image bearers of God, the Godhead, the unity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is what sets the standard or the picture of what we're going towards in marriage by biblical definition. But if we're not honest with one another, if we are unforgiving towards one another, if we are keeping the ledger against one another, all of those things will destroy the intimacy that we long for. And so the call this weekend at this Eusebia experience to be committed to clean, to Mm -hmm. not settling for letting things build up inside of us that ultimately will separate us in our marriage. I think that's been the profound message this weekend. Mm. I've really been struck uh, that scripture talks about the Pharisees who polish the outside of the cup, Mm -hmm. but the inside is dirty and how easy it is for us to be more concerned to what people think about us than what's really going on. The way we act Sunday put on a show at church to make everybody think we're happy. We don't share issues. But inside that cup, the stuff that keeps growing and growing and becoming more and more putrid. And uh, I th- what we've wanted to talk about and what we've experienced this weekend is the importance of not letting things keep us from cleaning the cup. So many things keep us from cleaning the cup. We're too busy. We, we, don't, we don't want conflict. And, and so we ignore the areas that are polluting the inside of the cup instead of getting a cleaning agent out and really mm-hmm. going at it. We talked about one of the things that is inside the cup is selfishness. 
that we like to take care of ourselves. And and the antidote for selfishness is sacrificial love. It's really putting the interests of our spouse ahead of our own. And I I think it's just so refreshing when you see when we clean the inside of the cup, we we feel better. Uh, and it's it's God's design. We become the husband and wife that we're designed to be. But sacrificial love is we found in our own marriage sort of the cleaning agent that we desperately need. Yeah. So how to tell us if, if there was a couple that was sitting here today and they've been married a couple of years or a few years and they're just struggling with just the sin or not being transparent with one another, what would you tell them the first thing that they would need to do on the road to recovery, the road to forgiveness? What would that look like? Well, if that couple were sitting in our office and we see them like this all the time, we would challenge each one of them to spend time with the Lord and then make a list of confessions that they need to make to their mate. Because quite honestly, the areas of unforgiveness and sin in our life hold us captive until they are expelled, if you will, until they're cleaned up. We so often can see the sin that our mate has committed against us. Mm. And as long as we're focusing on that, we'll ignore the sin in our own life. And so we start the forgiveness exercise by challenging each of the spouses to let the Holy Spirit reveal to them what they need to confess to their mate. We don't let them go to the place of, tell us what your mate did against you. That list is much easier to build. We say, no, 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 start with yourself. You're, you can only change yourself. So you need to be in touch with what are, what are you doing to hurt your marriage? What, are you not, what have you done that you haven't confessed to your mate? And we ask them each to do that and then to have a time together where they confess that list to each other. It's not a discussion at that point. It's not an excuse-making time. It's not a, oh, it's about time you finally said that. It's just a, I'm, I'm going to ask you to forgive me because... I didn't tell you about my online shopping excursion last month and I've carefully doctored the record so you wouldn't know about it. And I'm going to ask your forgiveness for that. But that's the start. The second round of it is if you've been really hurt by your mate and that wasn't brought up on their list, then you can say, now you each make your list of things that have hurt you, but that haven't yet been confessed. And you may say, you probably don't realize this, but When you said this, when we were visiting our extended family, I felt shamed in front of my own family. That hurt me. And then the spouse has an opportunity to say, I am so sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you that way. Confession and forgiveness and repentance are the path to genuine intimacy in marriage. It will not happen apart from that. And one of the things that we try to help couples see is that we're each responsible 100% for our own actions because we're so good at blaming. I know I got angry, but if you would have, whatever. And what we're doing is we're making an excuse. We're blaming it. started in the garden. Eve said it was the serpent. Adam said it was the woman that God gave. We, <laughs> yes. we have a long yes. lineage. But taking 100% responsibility for what we're doing Many couples today who are struggling, say, in the sexual area, we say, well, did you ever, were you sleeping together before you got married? Well, yes, we were. Well, have you ever confessed to each other and asked forgiveness? Well, no, we got married. 
But that has lingered because they know that was sin and they have not dealt with it. And so we really try to help them go back from the beginning of their relationship and say, you know, I need to ask your forgiveness. I did not say no, or I, you know, asked you to get involved inappropriately. And then you just keep working forward because the goal is that you get rid of all this rubble and then you can build on a new foundation. And we're so tempted to either walk away because we don't want to deal with it or act like it never happened. Say, okay, mm-hmm. let's just play you know, like it never happened. But then when some temp, uh, a struggle comes along and the house collapses, let's clean, do the work of getting rid of the rubble. Then we can build on a solid foundation. Well, Dr. Paul, you said something that was pretty profound. You said, you used the example of if the couple were sleeping together before they got married. So that's any kind of sin. I'm taking it that was happening in that relationship even prior to them getting married, that there needs to be confession, repentance of that, even to clean that marriage even more. Is that what you're saying? And Exactly. Because I don't think a lot of couples think like that. They think no. once they say, I do, we're starting afresh. We're starting anew. So anything that I've done prior to that does not impact our marriage. Can you guys speak to that just a little bit more? Sure. If you rob a bank and then you start working for the bank, you still have to pay back what you robbed. You know? <laughs> That's, like That's good. That's good. Great example. Well, the other truth is that we carry with us often the guilt. We carry the shame. Parents dread when their kids who become teenagers are going to ask them questions about their relationship before they got married Mm. because there's, especially if they had a knowledge, I'm talking now to people who were maybe raised in a Christian home or at least knew Christ by the time they were already engaged in doing things that they knew were wrong. The hope of the gospel is that life doesn't end there. There is life after sin, which is great news for all of us Mm -hmm. because we're on level ground at the foot of the cross. But We have to embrace the hope of the gospel by making sure that we do confess so that our souls, the the dirty cup, can be cleaned. 1 John 1, 9 reminds us if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive Mm -hmm. us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I want to say that those, especially raised in the Christian community, who have sinned, let's just say sexually, because that's what's on the table right now. I think we often read that verse, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, unless it was sexual sin. And if you sexually sin, ooh, sorry, that's going to plague you for the rest of your life. God's not okay with that. That's not what First John 1, 9 says. Mm. Whatever area of sin we enter into marriage with, is only going to probably collect more sin. We really, until it is dealt with at the foot of the cross. And that's really at the heart of the message we proclaim to both marriages and to family as we work with them, is don't let Satan continue to win by holding you to what happened in your past. Embrace the hope of the gospel, which is you can be freed from that because of what Jesus did on the cross. Therein lies our hope. Wow. <laughs> no. Just breathe it and take it in. You know, 
list, yeah. to our listeners. This is why we have so enjoyed hearing um, you guys at Eusebia and uh, purchasing your material. And speaking of purchasing material, how can our listeners um, find out more about you? How can they purchase your material? How can they hear more about you? Yes. Tell that to our listeners. Please. Uh, you're very kind to ask. Uh, we have a website called uh, himweb.org, H-I-M-W-E-B.org, himweb.org. And that just tells about our ministry, our speaking schedule, products that we have. We uh, just, if they're helpful to churches and individuals, that's just a delight to us to, again, help people just see how to prepare for God's best and how to experience it uh, in marriage and family. Yes. So some of our resources, um, one is called Letters to My Daughters, and that is a collection of letters that Paul actually wrote to our three daughters. We have... Mm three girls who are all in their thirties and by God's grace are walking with Jesus and being used by him to make a difference in the world. When they were in college, Paul started writing letters to them specifically related to making the second most important decision of your life. We believe the first most important decision is how you respond to Jesus. Yes. Are you going to let him be your Lord and savior or are you going to be your own Lord and savior? But the second most important decision any of us make is who we're going to marry. That will change your life more than anything else except for Jesus. And so he wanted to make sure they were really clear on God's heart for them as they would make that decision. And the letters eventually became a book. It's entitled Letters to My Daughters. Our um, take on marriage comes in the book called The Marriage App. And... That also actually has a free downloadable app that's available both for iPhones and for Android phones, which is 70 days of prompts to remind you of ways to express your love to your mate. Mm. It's just a really practical tool in your toolbox so that you can keep investing in your marriage. What's that called again? That one's called the marriage app. The marriage app. And we have one called Before You Save the Date, 21 Questions to Help You confirm your decision to marry a lot of couples are getting married just because they love each other and they think they'll never have any problems and this is just an objective book that gives you 21 questions to ask and then the last one i just wrote is a a, a book for men especially <laughs> loving your wife like christ when you ain't no jesus <laughs> and um, a lot of men just live with the burden that they're not adequate in anything they're a failure that their wife sort of lets them know frequently that they mm. don't quite measure up. They should have done it this way. Why did you do that? Uh, they're sure they're not the father they should be. And they're pretty convinced that God isn't happy with the way they're living. So they live with this cloud of guilt. And it's just a very practical, hope-giving book about how we can love well. And there's actually a bonus chapter in there for wives, because as I say in the book, since you probably bought the book for your husband, <laughs> here's a chapter for you. Well, we certainly appreciate that. <laughs> now, now, both of you all are doctors, right? What did you get your doctorates in? And then did you get them at the, get them at the same time? We did in a very unique opportunity. Both of us completed our doctor of um, ministry in family and marriage therapy through Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. We did it at the Charlotte campus. We did it together. 
we wrote our doctoral thesis together, and we graduated together. What? Wow. Yes. How many years did it take you guys to do it that? It was a three-year program, and uh, I love doing it together because Virginia is a reader, and uh, so she'd read the book, and she'd underline and highlight, and then i just read the highlights. So I remember one day I said, well, you haven't read this book yet. Would you read it so I can... <laughs> He can make that confession now, 17 later. You were certainly his helpmate. So was your dissertation the same? You had to do different dissertations then, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. To actually prove that. We did. We originally were going to do the same one, and then the seminary said no. So we split it. I did it on preparing for marriage. Virginia did it on actually keeping your marriage vital. Oh, wow. wow. And you've been living that. That is awesome. Dan. Living that out. And we are certainly glad that we've had the opportunity to meet you, share with you. You are family now to us. And uh, we're excited about um, grabbing the book, the yes. app, the marriage app for sure. <laughs> I want Love that, that one. And then- <laughs> the one that you ain't like Jesus. It's my gift to you. I want that one for sure. <laughs> because Catherine said you need it. Yeah. So. <laughs> She must have been talking to I'm you. buying the book for right. you so you can read it. <laughs> well, thank you for everything. And with that being said, we're just going to say to our listeners, let's get powered up. Thanks for listening to the Power Couples Rock podcast. We hope that you've been encouraged, inspired, and supported. Please listen and subscribe to our other Power Pods as we are confident that they will strengthen your marriage. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. It's there where we can extend these discussions together, take these conversations and your marriage to the next level. Enjoy your day and power up.